We all have bucket lists. As a lifelong sports fan, mine is full of tons of different sporting events and venues, from the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and beyond. However, my greatest bucket list item is something I want to share with the world and fans like me. What if you could attend a home college football game for all 130 and counting FBS programs? Seems crazy, right? Join me, your host, Bobby Wilson, as I take you along for the ride to see all the FBS venues and more. This is the TNT College Football Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the very next episode of the TNT College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Wilson. Glad to be back on. Uh, Sorry, I was unable to uh, get things going last night. The technical difficulties on my end from, from... the weather and internet connection and different things just wasn't working out so but glad to be back today i'm gonna do things a little differently normally my thursday show i get some a guest and i have an interview um but uh i've been very very busy this week i went to the eastern michigan football game tuesday night then i helped my mom move do some do a lot of different things in the process of starting a new job and uh so it's it's been it's been a hectic but uh very rewarding and fulfilling couple days for me so that I, i'm really really excited the new job i have is going to be great uh, for me and my family what does it mean for the podcast i'm going to have a clearer mind and be able to give you guys the best of myself and the best content that I can try and put out um, and do the best I can. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, nothing's going to change from the podcast perspective. going to have it. We're going to be running full steam ahead. So today's episode, I'm going to talk about my visit to Eastern Michigan Stadium number four off the list. But then I want to spend some time going through uh, the coaching vacancies and who I think who I think is the right fit or who I'm hearing is going to get the job. Talk. I'll talk about the three or four guys. There's three that have been hired. There's a fourth that it seems very, very apparent. Actually, a fifth that seems like it's going to happen too, just dropping within the past hour. But um, I'll get to all that. It's going to be, that's going to be a lot of fun. Hope you guys like my insight and takes on that. But first, I want to talk about my visit to Eastern Michigan. Uh, First time I've ever been to Eastern Michigan, actually. And and I grew up in Flint, Michigan. Um, Just never, we never played a basketball tournament at EMU. Never never did anything at EMU. So it was just kind of surprising to not, that I'd never been there before. But uh, the, the factory... Ryerson Stadium, Reinerson Stadium as it's called. Um, just, uh, I gotta say, very big stadium for Eastern Michigan, in my opinion. Too big for them. I don't, I just don't feel like they could ever, ever fill that. And one thing that I have to say is the track that goes around just creates too much of a separation between the fans and the players. And it, it, it's, I don't feel like you should have a track separating your football field. Like you need to invest in your football program and just football needs to be football. Like that's just what happens at the football stadium. 
But I will say, I mean, Eastern Michigan's known for their gray field. Um, on TV, it can be difficult to watch. But in person, it actually looks pretty good. And uh, they call this the stadium, they call it the factory uh, because Eastern Michigan's in Ypsilanti, Michigan, right next to Detroit. I feel like they're going trying to go for that factory, hardworking, uh, blue-collar vibes. Um, so... <clears throat> it, it fits and it fits and it and it looks good in person like I said um, they they have an interesting entrance I don't know if uh, if you guys have seen I posted a video of it on uh, on the podcast Twitter account but they flick they flick the lights on and off they strobe it uh, then the team takes us takes sledgehammers and breaks through a brick wall a stone wall which is pretty cool. I mean, from the factory perspective, I mean, going with that vibe. I mean, it's 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 a cool it's a cool thing. I just remember, I I can't I can't tell you the time frame. Maybe five or so years ago, when Eastern Michigan wasn't very good, that uh, they couldn't break down the wall, which <laughs> which is terrible when you're going for that vibe. Um, they got through the wall in the game that I saw. Um, Interesting game. Um, Eastern Michigan got in the red zone a ton of times, but they could only get field goals out of it. So going into the fourth quarter, it was 21 to nine Western Michigan. I was, I was impressed to see uh, Caleb LB, uh, Western Michigan's quarterback. He's, he's definitely going to get drafted. I would say, I mean, he, his, very good touch on his deep ball. Um, very good placement on his passes, to be completely honest. I was really, really impressed by him. He, I mean, he did have a couple turnovers in the fourth quarter that were big. But uh, the, but I, I got to say, when he throws the football, it's pretty much spot on. And I, I was very, very impressed by him. He's small, but... Uh, he can do some things. He can really do some things, and, and he's going to have an opportunity. I mean, he's he's going to get drafted later, probably third, four, well, not third, probably fourth, fifth, sixth round in that range. Probably fourth or fifth round, I'd say. But uh, he's going to have an opportunity to maybe go somewhere and sit and just learn. And uh, with his accuracy, I mean, anything's possible. I mean, I, I think if you if I think if you're an accurate quarterback. You're you're gonna have an opportunity to to potentially stick in the NFL, but like I said, it was twenty-one nine. Western Michigan had the lead going into the fourth quarter, and then Eastern Michigan rattles off a couple touchdowns, and they end up winning the game twenty-two to. Uh, 22 to 21, like it, it, very, very uh, surprising result um, there um, just because Western Michigan was in complete control of the football game. And, and I was just very, very surprised that how how it ended uh, just because, like I said, they had control of the game. But uh, kudos to Eastern Michigan for how they how they were able to come back and win that game. And, and I will say, I've been to, this is the fourth game I've been to for the podcast. And the home team has won all four games. So, very, very impressed. Actually, 
I, I, I am wrong. Eastern Michigan scored a late touchdown in the third quarter to make it 21-16, to and then they kicked two field goals in the fourth quarter, which that leads to Eastern's kicker made five field goals, and they were all – he had two 31-yarders, a 30-yarder, a 22-yarder, and a 20-yarder. So these are all in the red zone. Um, just uh, so that tells you, Eastern Michigan could have really, really won this football game handily, but that wasn't the case. And uh, but nonetheless, I mean, it was very, it was an entertaining game, just because it was back and forth and back and forth. I, again, like I said, I was very impressed watching Caleb Ellaby, the quarterback at Western Michigan. Um, He's definitely going to play on Sunday, like I said. And Reinerson Stadium, like I said, probably a little too big for Eastern Michigan. They got the whole visitor side tarped off, basically. Um, so, But nonetheless, I mean, it's a MAC venue on a Tuesday night. It was cold, let me just tell you that. I, I mean, I grew up in Michigan, but there were there were grown men who are hunters who you could tell were hunters outside of this football game that were you I, I talked to a lot of people and they're like wow it is really cold so but you expect that it's Michigan in November that's lucky it wasn't snowing <laughs> but nonetheless uh exciting game uh fun place fun place to be around and uh exciting ending a really really uh really really good way to uh, kick off the week with my action. So I'm, I'm going to spend the rest of the rest of the episode now um, talking about coaching vacancies. And I know this is something I've talked about a lot, but I, it's something that I uh, I feel like I can talk about from being a college basketball coach. I can come come at this from a different perspective a little bit. Um, but let's first talk about the jobs that have been filled. UConn with Jim Mora. I've had many discussions about this already. I'm not going to go in too deep on this because I've already done it. But what Jim Mora has done already at UConn, the, uh, just the pulse around the program and around the university is tenfold what it was. And uh, I, I know a lot of people are really excited. Again, I partner with uh, Sidelines UConn. Uh, I got a partnership with the uh, with the with them, and I, I know that Husky fans are super super excited about this, as they should be. Uh, the other hires, uh, Texas Tech, Joey McGuire coming over from Baylor, very good hire, I think, just from the sheer perspective that he has major recruiting ties in Texas, and I think he might be able to steal some players from Baylor. Um, especially if Dave Aranda leaves Baylor, which uh, which is a big possibility. It's a big possibility, and I'll get to that. But uh, <clears throat> then Georgia Southern hiring Clay Helton. Interesting hire. Um, Georgia Southern needs to give him time. Talent depleted roster. Um, but I think Helton can win there and be successful if he's given time and the fan base doesn't have uh, unreal unrealistic expectations which georgia southern tends to have 
Um, one of the other hires that seems to be eminent um, just from the past uh, yesterday and today, um, which I called this one, so I will, I will, I got to give myself a little pat in the back on this one. Don Brown going to head back to UMass. Uh, currently the defensive coordinator at Arizona. Uh, he's been at Michigan, Boston College, but he was the coach at UMass in the early to mid-2000s. Uh, took him to an FCS national championship game. Uh, he's he's a, he's a UMass guy. He's a Massachusetts guy. So, I mean, I, it makes sense. I mean, he's in his mid-60s. So how long is he going to be the coach there? Um is a good question, but uh, something that I talked about in a previous episode, um, them going with a young offensive mind for offensive coordinator and basically make that person the head coach and waiting of sorts. And I've kind of, I've kind of went into depth on that in previous episodes. So I'm not going to do that again, but, uh, but in, I, I think that I think Don Brown is probably the best case scenario for UMass unless Liam Cohen, like I said, and I heard that Liam Cohen uh, respectfully told them no, which I get. I mean, it's a very difficult job. Very, it might be the most difficult job in college football, but at FBS college football. But uh, another one uh, seemed to be dropping in the past hour or so. Um, Virginia Tech. Uh, there's been a handful of names thrown around at this job. I compiled my top five. I mean, I think they had to call Beamer at South Carolina. I think you you owe him that um, uh, just because what his father did. And, I mean, he's obviously going to say no and stay at South Carolina, but he, he, you still need to make that call. And uh, and I'm sure they did. I, 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 I would have to imagine that they did. But the list that I compiled was – Jamie Chadwell at Coastal Carolina. Um, I think logically that makes sense, but uh, I know that uh, Jamie Chadwell turned it down. I do know that. Then I said uh, Brent Venables, the Clemson defensive coordinator. Um, he, I mean, we all know he's been offered j different jobs, um, but he's always stayed at Clemson. And uh Eventually, he's going to get a job that he can't turn down, though, I would I would imagine. So uh, it'll just be interesting to see uh, where he ends up. Then I said Bill O'Brien, Alabama offensive coordinator, former head coach of the Houston Texans and Penn State. Um, always seems like those uh, Nick Saban. Nick Saban always gets those guys under his wing, and then they go and have some sort of success of uh, – a little bit, but the guy that I was really, really leaning towards for this job was Hugh Freeze from Liberty. I, I just thought he he's done well at Liberty. He he won some at Ole Miss. He recruited well at Ole Miss, and that has carried over to Liberty. But uh, I just thought for I, I thought that his pedigree would uh, would be a be good for Virginia Tech but the name the name that I've been hearing in the past hour or so that the contract is looming is Billy Napier from Louisiana and I'm very very happy 
for uh, Billy Napier because he is a great coach. He's very good. What he's done at Louisiana is nothing short of amazing. I mean, realistically, LSU should be considering him very, very heavily. Um, he's that good of a coach. But I've been told that Billy Napier was uh, was actually Virginia Tech's top choice, even ahead of Jamie Chadwell, which I was very surprised uh, by that. But uh, but if if this is true, which from the sources that I have, it it seems like it's eminent um, that it's going to happen. Um, great hire, I think personally. Um, like I said, Billy Napier is a very, very good football coach. He has done what he's done there at uh, at Louisiana is nothing short of amazing. I mean, so if he it does end up being the guy at Virginia Tech, bravo to Virginia Tech for getting that done. Um, now let's look at some of these other jobs. Uh, Jacksonville State opened up their head coach for uh i'm going to talk about jackson state because they're moving up in 2023 to the fbs level uh their head coach stepped down he had very 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 good success at the fcs level but i think he he just didn't want to be a part of the the world the whirlwind that was going to occur joining the fbs level uh maxwell thurman is serving as their interim head coach and he's doing very well um, the other name that I thought about for that position, and and I didn't go too in depth for Jacksonville State. I mean, I definitely feel like there would be some position coaches and offensive coordinators throughout the country that would be very interested in that job. Um, but I said uh, Jason Simpson, the head coach of UT Martin, had a lot of success as well. But but uh, Maxwell Thurman has had uh, good success as the interim head coach. And I, I really think that he's going to get the nod to stay there. I think he's kind of earned it. And uh, like I said, I think he's earned it. Uh, now I'm going to move on to FIU. That one has just come out this week. Uh, well, I mean, it has what it has. And I've heard like a month month or more ago that Butch Davis was, was done. Um, I heard the job was posted and, uh, without him knowing him just just a mess uh i talked about in the last episode uh, about the money issues at fiu it's just it's just a mess but uh they might have to go fcs that might end up being the solution i don't know but the names i can i have for fiu james cooley uh the tight end coach at texas a&m he was previously at fiu i think uh I think FIU is another one of those jobs where it's difficult. Like you, you think, oh, it's in Miami, um, so you think you're going to have a lot of success, but just the financial support at the university is not good. So it's a it's a very very difficult job on the order of UMass from the financial perspective, where it's just very very difficult. Um, so I think it would have to be somebody young like that or. The name I threw out, the name that I think that they should hire personally, Nick Rolovich. Nick Rolovich, who was the former head coach of Washington State, he was at Hawaii. He's he's turned around um, G5 programs. He's got a history for that. He was doing well at Washington State. We just, we, I mean, we all know that whole situation. 
um, with Washington State and Nick Rolovich. Um, so I'm not going to go in depth on that. Um, but uh, he's a good football coach, and I think he deserves that opportunity. And uh, I think he would do really, really well. He's proven that he can do really well at that level. So the next, the next one I'm going to go to into is Akron. Akron is another difficult job, another uh, with money issues situations. So I think anytime the Akron job comes up, I think the offensive coordinator at Ohio State automatically is going to be considered, and the defensive coordinator at that at for that as well. But Brian Hartline. Uh, the offensive coordinator at Ohio State comes to mind. He's got that NFL pedigree. He's done well, very well at Ohio State with that offense, obviously. Um, he, he would be deserving of that type of situation. Um, uh, then two alumni that come to mind who are quarterback coaches in the NFL, Luke Getze, who's the quarterback coach of the Green Bay Packers, and then Akron, like, lore Charlie Fry, who's the quarterback coach of the Miami Dolphins. I think either one of those guys would be uh, – they'd be good for the program, good for the brand, good for the school. Um, but they've never been head coaches. So that I, – I think Akron is at a point right now where they need somebody who has some experience, which is why I think – they should hire Vince Vince Karras, who is the co-defensive coordinator at Toledo, but more importantly, he was the head coach at D3 Mount Union from 2015 to 2017 and coached in three national titles at the D3 level and won some. Um, I think he is a guy who who has proven it and proven that he belongs at this level. Um, and with that experience he has as a head coach, I gave him the nod over Charlie Fry, but it wouldn't surprise me if they went that route. It really, really wouldn't. Um, I, like I've talked about before in previous episodes, I think college football might start going that route of uh, of what like college basketball has done and hiring big-name alumni. Um, and there's no bigger alumni at Akron than Charlie Fry. So, uh, But... Vince Karras is who I see taking over there. Then that leads me to Washington State, where uh, Jake Dickard is the interim head coach right now, and he he's done a very very good job stepping into that situation, and he's very deserving of getting the opportunity to coach, to be the head coach full time. Uh, they're beating Arizona right now handily. They're going to become bowl eligible. Um, hats off to him for what he's done. Um, other guys that I can see considered there, Joe Moorhead, the offensive coordinator at Oregon, former head coach of Mississippi State. I personally don't think he was given a fair crack at Mississippi State. Um, I think he's very deserving of another head coaching opportunity. But Mississippi State is also one of those jobs where it's kind of difficult to win at. But uh I mean, people have proven that you can do it, but it's not the easiest thing in the world. Uh, I think he would be a really good fit there. Then the other two guys that come to mind are uh, Kalen DeBoer from Fresno State and then Jay Norvell at Nevada. Um, DeBoer and Norvell, I think, are going to be uh, mentioned in any West Coast job uh, just for what they've done at the G5 level at the schools that they're at on the West Coast. Um, 
both very, very deserving of uh, of uh, moving up. But I think, I think at the end of the day, Jake Dickard is uh, proven that he deserves that opportunity and that job. And uh, that's who I would roll with, honestly. Um, then I look at TCU. I, I think TCU, I think this one's kind of set, but uh, they're kind of keeping it under wraps, I think. But the names I came up with were like Justin Fuente. Um, he was a former assistant there under Gary Patterson, uh, obviously former head coach of Virginia Tech in Memphis. Then I said Billy Napier uh, from Louisiana, but it sounds like he's going to get the Virginia Tech job. Then I put Jay Norvell from Nevada. Very, very deserving, like I like I just said, even with the Washington State job. But I think I think the guy getting the Texas or the Texas Christian job, the TCU job, I think it's pretty much uh, a done deal, but it's under wraps, is uh, Sonny Dykes from SMU. I think uh, obviously he doesn't have to move far, um, but moving up from the American to the Big 12 is going to be a big deal. Obviously, those two schools are a bit of rivals, so that's uh, <clears throat> that'd be an interesting uh, transformation to how that's going to go. But but I think I think that one's kind of a done deal personally. Um, but we'll see. Uh, then I look at the Washington Huskies, and like I said before, I think the first name that comes to mind for Washington would be Kalani Sataki at BYU. I think he's proven it at BYU. And I think he deserves that opportunity. Um, the other names I wrote down, Jay Norvell again, obviously very deserving. I put Joe Moorhead, um, what he's done at Oregon. I think uh, he deserves that opportunity. <clears throat> I put Dave Aranda from Baylor. Um, I, I don't know which job is better, Baylor or Washington. Um, but, <clears throat> but, uh, <laughs> the one name I put to throw a wrench into it is Brian Harrison from Auburn. I personally think, and I've said this before, I said this when he got hired at Auburn, that he's over his head at Auburn. He's he's not, I just don't feel like he's an SEC level coach. And uh, I, I mean, Auburn's winning, but it's because they're Auburn and they have talented players. But I don't feel like it's because of his coaching. So I feel like if he went back to the West Coast, um, he was at Boise State before he went to Auburn. I feel like he would be better suited for that. But uh, I think at the end of the day, Washington needs to hire Kalani Sataki. <clears throat> then go to USC. Um, obviously, <laughs> the uh, the rumblings of of uh, which I'm glad these have died down of uh, Urban Meyer. I, I I hope for USC's sake that they don't do that. But then the names that come up, Dave Aranda, um, obviously James Franklin, uh, but I feel like James Franklin, uh, the losing streak that he went on there at Penn State, uh, just just wouldn't just wouldn't be the right move right now. <clears throat> and then I think any big time job, Matt Campbell from Iowa State's gonna get thrown in there. Um, but the guy, the guy I think is who's going to get that job is Luke Fickle from Cincinnati. I think, and I've said this for the longest time that I thought Luke Fickle would only leave for Ohio State because he's an Ohio guy. 
But I think if USC comes calling, that you just have you have to answer, and I think that's one of those jobs that's just too good to pass up. I really do. Um, <clears throat> I just feel like it's that, like they're at that level where it's just a job where I don't feel like you turn it down. So I think for his sake that uh, I think he's going to take it. And if not, I th- then I think it's going to be James Franklin. Then LSU. Uh, this one's gotten a little crazy, I think. Um, I, I, personally, <clears throat> I think that they should hire Billy Napier, but they, they won't um, because it seems like he's going to Virginia Tech. But <clears throat> I think Billy Napier would be perfect at LSU. But then you hear, I think, like I said, Matt Campbell gets has to get his name thrown in at any of the big schools. Um, I just don't feel like that's the right fit for him. Um, then Lane Kiffin, you've heard the rumors with that. Um, if I were LSU, I wouldn't touch him. But uh, <clears throat> but then you've heard the rumors of Lincoln Riley and the contract allegedly that he's been offered $12 million a year, uh, $95, $97 million, whatever it might be, um, over a length of time. Um, I, I mean, if that's what he's being offered, I don't feel like Oklahoma can match it. Um, and if he is, I mean, I guess you can't blame him if he bails for that type of money. But at the end of the day, I think Dave Aranda is going to be the guy who gets the LSU job. He was on that staff for the national title game for the national championship team. I just feel like he's going to be the guy that gets that. I mean, he's proven it at Baylor um, that he can win as a head coach. And uh, I th- like I said, I just feel – I just have a hunch that he's going to be the guy that gets that. So those are the current openings. So then that made me go into um, future openings um, and then some hot seat uh, topics too. Um, Temple – uh, their starting quarterback just entered the transfer portal. He started basically all season, and now he's like, yeah, I'm leaving. And they've had a bunch of other guys go in the porter. Uh, Jaden Blue, uh, their top-flight receiver who's going to play in the NFL, um, he's in the portal. Um, so I, I think that their head coach is done for. I mean, it's a mess there. And uh, the names that I put down for that – would be this is hinting to uh, a couple of the future openings but Dan Mullen the head coach of Florida and Manny Diaz the head coach of Miami and I I think Manny Diaz can be very successful at a G5 program he's proven that and I think I think Dan Mullen just needs to go the NFL route be a quarterback coach i mean he's a great he's a quarterback guru he's a great he's a great coach great offensive mind he just doesn't want to recruit and in college football obviously we all know you got to do it so i think manny diaz is going to get the temple job i think he's going to go from miami to temple step right in um then uh coming off of yesterday's 
well, the whole season's performance, but yesterday's performance in particular, uh, the Duke Blue Devils, uh, just a mess. That uh, that program is a mess, and you feel bad for uh, Cutcliffe because, I mean, he's a coaching legend, a quarterback whisperer, uh, but I just feel like the time's passed him by, and Duke, Duke is a very difficult place to win at, too. I mean, he's proven that he can do it, but... It's hard to sustain success there. Um, the names that come to mind there, uh, Joe Brady, Carolina Panthers offensive coordinator, but I think that's a, dra- a downgrade. Um, then I threw at Ogeron just because of uh, his pedigree, but I think the guy who's going to really get the job is Will Healy at Charlotte. Um, they beat Duke this year. It wouldn't be too crazy of a transition to go from Charlotte to Durham. Uh, Will Healy has proven it, and then I just feel like you get an opportunity in the ACC that he would take it. Um, he was the guy that I thought UConn would hire, honestly. But uh, his time's coming to get a P5 job. He's done a great job building that Charlotte program. Um, <clears throat> next one up, New Mexico State. Their head coach has not had success. He's on the last year of his contract. So the names I came up with there um, – this is a very far out one. I don't see him getting a job anytime soon. But Jimmy Lake, the head, former head coach of Washington, like I said, I don't feel like he's going to be getting a head coach job anytime soon. But crazier things have happened. Then I put Dan Hawkins, who's at UC Davis. Uh, they beat Tulsa this year. They That's a very, very good program he's built there. Um, they probably could beat New Mexico State right now, honestly. But the guy who I think is going to get the job uh, – a New Mexico guy, Marcus Tuyasasopo, the offensive coordinator at Rice. Obviously played at Washington, but he's from the state of New Mexico. Um, young offensive-minded guy. I, I just feel like it's a great fit in that situation um, with them transferring or transitioning to Conference USA. Um, I think they need to bring in a young mind like that. Um, leads me to Florida. Um I had two guys in mind at Florida. Bill O'Brien, Alabama offensive coordinator, uh, previous head coaching experience at the college and pro level. Um, you know he's learned a ton from Nick Saban. Um, I think it would, it would it would make sense. It seems like Saban's high-level guys get high-level jobs. I mean, we've seen it with um, Sark at, at – uh, at, uh, Texas, Kirby at Georgia. I mean, these guys get good jobs. But the guy who I think is going to get the Florida job, finally, Matt Campbell from Iowa State to Florida. I just feel like that job suits him a little better. Um, He deserves it. I mean, what he's done at Iowa State, and I know Iowa State hasn't won this year like we all thought they would, but he still has taken Iowa State to, to heights that they've never been at. He is a fantastic football coach, um, and he deserves the opportunity. Um, Leads me to the next Miami, and I think we've all heard the rumors of Lane Kiffin. Um, He would leave Ole Miss for Miami, and I, I have to imagine that that would be true. It seems like a very Lane Kiffin thing to do. Um, (laughs) Could you imagine Lane Kiffin living? in Miami what that would just be but could you imagine Lane Kiffin recruiting to Miami that is the thing 
I think he could turn Miami into Miami that we're used to seeing. Um, I mean, we all know Kiffin can recruit and do things. And uh, I think logically it just makes sense. Um, the next job that I think is going to open up North Texas, um, they've won some games. If they went out, they can go bowl eligible. I think that's how their current head coach could save his job, but I just don't see it happening. The names I put on there, Graham Harrell, who's the USC offensive coordinator, Texas guy, played at Texas Tech. I think it would make sense there. Uh, Sonny Cumbie, who is Texas Tech's interim head coach right now, but uh, I think he'll end up staying on that staff there. But I think the guy who gets this job is Justin Fuente. Um, he's got Texas ties. I mean, everything. I, I, I just feel like that makes perfect sense. He did really well at the G5 level, and I think he'd do well again. Um, now these next ones that I have listed are just because of head cho have coaching changes that occurred at at uh, at their current jobs. Ole Miss, I said, should hire Billy Napier, but now if Lane Kiffin leads Ole Miss, but now Billy Napier looks like he's going to get the Virginia Tech job. So then that throws a wrench into my into my uh, thinking there. So it'd be interesting to see who would be in the running for that job. And who knows, maybe Lane Kiffin stays at Ole Miss and we don't have this discussion. Then I look at Charlotte. Um, Frank Signetti, the BC offensive coordinator, comes to mind. Tony Elliott, Clemson's offensive coordinator, comes to mind. But I think Mark Carney, their current offensive coordinator, has proven himself. The way that that offense has developed, obviously Will Healy's been a huge part of that too. But I think Mark Carney has done a tremendous job taking that offense to the next level and uh, is a guy who deserves that opportunity. Then, then I looked at Nevada, and I think – the, the number one guy for Nevada would be Dante Williams, who is USC's interim head coach right now, but he previously coached at Nevada. Um, he was, so I think, I think that'd be a home run hire if Norvell leaves Nevada for a bigger job, which I think he's going to get. Um, which I think he's going to get and I'll, and I'll tell you which job I think he's going to get in a moment. But uh, I think Dante Williams would be a home run hire there. Uh, let me just go to the job that I think Norvell is going to get. Uh, BYU, if Sataki leaves for Washington, the names I threw out there, Joe Moorhead. And then Marcus Tuyasasopo because of his Polynesian ties. And BYU has that, uh, that tie. But I think Jay Norvell would get that BYU job transitioning to the Big 12 um, taking that job and uh, taking them to new heights. I put down Oklahoma for if Lincoln Riley was to take the LSU job, which I'm now starting to think he won't. But I think Alex Grinch, their defensive coordinator, gets an opportunity there. Um, then a name that I just threw out there to, to just to just uh, muck it up and. <laughs> to stir the pot was Matt rule, the Carolina Panthers coach. Um, would he return to the college level to coach at a program like that? Um, the Panthers started the season. Great. They started to play bad again. Now Cam Newton's playing, looking like they're good again. So maybe he, maybe he keeps his job, but, uh, 
yeah, just something that I wanted to throw out there for that. Then Iowa State uh, with uh, Matt Campbell, I have taking the Florida job. The names I threw out there, Matt Rule again. Um, then I put Sonny Cumbie, who's the Texas Tech interim head coach right now. I put Thomas Hammock, the NIU head coach. Thomas Hammock is not getting the credit he deserves for what he's done at NIU. NIU went 0-6 last year. They didn't win a game in an all-max schedule. Now they are 8-3. and They won the MAC West. Got another game left. Thomas Hammock does, deserves to be... I mean, he's not going to win national coach year, but he at least needs to be talked about in the conversation. Um, he He's done... What he's done there is nothing short of amazing, honestly. Um, but I think, I personally think the guy that's going to get the Iowa State job and when it's all said and done in this running would be Graham Harrell, uh, USC, USC uh, offensive coordinator, um, obviously played at Texas Tech. I think he brings that uh, high-powered offense <clears throat> that people are going to want to see. Um, I'm very intrigued by that. I think it would be a good fit. <clears throat> then I go to Louisiana with Billy Napier. With Billy Napier gone, the guys that I wrote, Casey Keller, Keeler from Sam Houston State, they're moving up to FBS, but obviously the Sun Belt is better than Conference USA. I put Colby Carthrow from Stephen F. Austin. But here's a name that uh, I have getting the job. A big name that uh, with Louisiana ties. Born and raised in Louisiana. And with the big names the Sun Belt is trying to attract. I think Coach O takes the Louisiana job. Could you imagine Coach O coaching the raging cajuns that man is going to show up to practice every day in lafayette without a shirt on just ready to play <laughs> it's just eating gumbo on a golf cart going crazy but in all honesty it would be a fantastic hire for louisiana coach O is a great coach i he he got railroaded at lsu treated terribly at lsu but but I digress. I think that would be a huge hire for Louisiana, a huge hire for the Sun Belt. And uh, just wanted to throw that one out there. I know it's kind of crazy, but that's what I'm going to roll with. Then I put Liberty because I originally had Hugh Freeze getting the Virginia Tech job, but it looks like he might not. I put Marcus Freeman, the Notre Dame defensive coordinator, young offensive mind, uh, hot coaching candidate. Um, then SMU with Sonny Dykes taking the TCU job. I said Bill O'Brien would get that job. Um, then Cincinnati with Luke Fickle going to USC in my prediction. I have Joe Moorhead then getting that job. So those, that's the carousel that I kind of saw happening. Uh, just some crazy things that I was spitballing in my head, wrote it all down. Uh, hope you guys enjoy that. Um, message me, communicate with me about all that. Um, love talking about that type of stuff. Then I said hot seats, uh, coaches on the hot seat, Navy, 
not having the year that they expect to have, but Ken Niamatiola has done a great job there. I don't feel like he should get fired, but crazier things have happened. Then I said Georgia Tech, West Virginia, um, Cal, Colorado State, Rice, Wyoming, Louisiana Tech, New Mexico, Colorado, Arizona, all uh, not having good years. Uh, you got to throw Indiana in there, Tom Allen. I, I mean, I don't feel like they, they should let him go, but, I mean, they've had a terrible season. Then one that I just threw in there because they're in, in an unprecedented landslide, but he's he's not going to get fired. But Texas, Steve Sarkeesian, uh, <laughs> it's not going well. Then three jobs that I put on because of potential retirings. Um Mac Brown at North Carolina. I mean, I feel like Mac Brown enjoys it, but maybe this year took a lot out of him when they were projected to be something special and they haven't been. Another one that comes to mind is Kirk Frentz at Iowa. I mean, he's been there forever. Um, I hope he stays because he's great for college football, but I mean, eventually he's going to. And then the name that I've heard recently for retiring as Kyle Whittingham at Utah. So those are just three to think about from a retiring standpoint. Um, again, I hope uh, hope you guys enjoyed my uh, my uh, my thinking there and some of these jobs. Um, feel free uh, reach out to me, the podcast, uh, Twitter account at TNT College Foot One. Um, would love to hear you guys feedback on uh, on your thoughts on some of those. I mean, who knows? I could be completely wrong on some of those. Um, some of those jobs might not open up, but just just an interesting thing to think about. Um, you can reach out to me personally at coach underscore B will. Um, again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in and uh, have a great college football Saturday. Enjoy the games tomorrow. Um, Have a good night. God bless.